It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Manhunt continues in Maine. Good afternoon by land, air, and sea. Local, state, and federal officials are searching for 40-year-old Robert Card. He's the guy accused of carrying out the worst mass shooting in this country this year. Correspondent Sam Brock. The weapon used by Card was purchased legally in 2023. As Card's family tells us, they were increasingly concerned about his mental health after he began hearing voices and making threats. His sister-in-law revealing they alerted police and military officials months ago. 18 were killed at a bowling alley and a bar in two separate shootings two nights ago in Lewiston, Maine. Leroy Walker's son Joey is among the dead. I go to church. I believe in the Lord. I believe in Jesus Christ. But why do we have to go through these kind of miserable, miserable times? Heartbreaks for that guy. Walker says his son died a hero. He was shot while charging the shooter with a butcher's knife. That moment when I got the call that said, Joey's dead, it, it just it brought me right back to my knees. Bobby Aslan lost her daughter Trisha in the tragedy. She died while dialing 911 in the bowling alley. Trisha didn't deserve that. Nobody did. The man that did that has no soul. I want to hold my baby one more time. I want to put her in my arms. Kim McConville's cousin Billy and his 14-year-old son Aaron also among the victims. There's just innocent people, just innocent people out for a night of bowling. This was a children's event. You know, who expects a shooter to go into a children's event? The close-knit community of Lewiston still in disbelief over what happened in a state where violent crime just doesn't happen. I'm going to go home tonight and, and be my kids, and I'm not going to watch the news thinking, wow, that was in Florida or Texas. That was in my backyard. Surreal. The gunman, a former Army firearms instructor, was hospitalized over the summer for mental illness. Cops consider him armed, dangerous, and likely off the grid. Newly minted House Speaker Mike Johnson. This is a dark time in America. We have a lot of problems, and we're hopeful and prayerful. Prayer is appropriate in a time like this, that the evil can end and this senseless violence can stop. Former Army reservist Phil McGregor says Card taught him how to fire a weapon while in the military. He used to be opposed to banning assault weapons, but now... I now call on the United States Congress to ban assault rifles like the one used by the sick perpetrator of this mass killing. There are no red flag laws for gun purchases in the state of Maine. The search for card has spanned from New York to Canada, hundreds of agents involved. U.S. fighter jets conducted airstrikes overnight in eastern Syria. It was in response to Iran-backed drone strikes on American troops in Syria and Iraq. Senior military officials said we hit precisely what we aimed at. The strikes were intended as a warning to Iran to order the militias it supports not to conduct more attacks on American locations. Let's be clear, a senior defense official said, Iran is responsible. A pair of F-16 fighter jets bombed a weapons depot and an ammo storage site used by Iran's Revolutionary Guard. Reporter Mike Tobin. This is the U.S. now responding to these uh, menacing attacks from Iranian proxies. It's not the Iranians directly getting their uh, hands dirty in this conflict. For the past 10 days, we've seen some 19 strikes against U.S. forces. 21 American service members have been injured, and a contractor died as a result of those Iran-backed strikes in Iraq and Syria.
Syria. Meantime, Israeli troops carried out more ground raids in Gaza as it tries to root out Hamas terrorists responsible for the October 7th attack on Israel. IDF spokesman Peter Lerner. This is the price they're going to pay. They decided to launch a war on Israel. We are going to seek them out and take them out. The war against Hamas is three weeks old now. At least 7,000 have died since that terror attack in Israel. Hamas perpetrated the worst mass murder of women, children, and innocents uh, since the Holocaust. Dan Diker with the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs says it is revolting to him to see anti-Israeli rallies happening on college campuses across this country. When you see these mass protests of thousands of students yelling from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, that is the same refrain that the Hamas Charter of 1988 that calls for the murder of Jews and the destruction of Israel. Diker says the jihad on American campuses is not free speech, it's hate speech. President Biden has some competition now from a fellow Democrat in his bid for re-election. Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips is in the race. Are you running for president? I am. I have to. I think President Biden has done a spectacular job for our country, but it's not about the past. This is an election about the future. Phillips tells CBS's Robert Costa his fear is that President Biden could lose next year to Donald Trump. Authorities in Maryland have found the body of a man accused of shooting a judge to death in the driveway of his home. Sheriff Brian Albert says it is a relief for Judge Andrew Wilkinson's family. Somewhat. Yeah, it brings a little bit of closure to them. It's still a tragedy. They lost a husband, father, and a brother. It is believed the judge was killed because the gunman lost custody of his children in a divorce case that Judge Wilkinson had handled. And here's one way to discourage migrants from settling in New York City. Give them a free one-way plane ticket out of there. Mayor Eric Adams ramping up efforts to fly migrants to the destination of their choice. He says it's cheaper than sheltering them and uh, more humane too with shelters already filled to capacity and winter on the way. A new FDA study looks at the downside of COVID and flu vaccines. Vaccines for COVID and flu may slightly increase the risk of stroke caused by blood clots in the brain. And this was primarily in those who are 85 and older. That according to this new study, researchers say the risk is slight and that the benefits of the vaccine still outweigh the risk. Correspondent Sabrina Cupid, game one of the World Series tonight in Arlington, Texas. Former President George W. Bush will throw out the first pitch in the series between the Rangers and Diamondbacks. A couple of teams who a couple of years ago both lost 100 games. Now they're playing for the World Championship. First pitch set for just past eight on Fox. Still to come on the Noon Report, police still searching for that roadside killer in Buffalo. Should parents pay if their kids are bullies at school? And a local church is about to celebrate its 175th anniversary. Good afternoon, I'm Kevin Williams. Balmy again today but big changes are ahead this weekend. I'll have forecast details coming up. See you in about 10 minutes. All right, we'll see you then. Thank you, Kevin. Early voting starts tomorrow in New York in the run-up to Election Day, Tuesday, November 7th. There are two statewide ballot issues in the Empire State. Everybody gets to decide those. Pennsylvania voters will be filling an open seat on the state Supreme Court. Aside from local and county contests, there's also school board elections in Pennsylvania. Those happen in May in the state of New York. New York taxpayers must foot 
foot the bill for Governor Hochul's recent trip to Israel. Yeah, Governor Hochul sidestepped questions on who funded her trip with her office saying only that a nonprofit group pledged to pay and that an ethics panel was reviewing that arrangement. Hochul's office now says the panel still has not given its approval and taxpayers will cover the cost of the $12,000 trip. Hochul, who has no direct role in diplomatic affairs, justified the trip as a show of support for the Israeli people following the Hamas terror attacks that ignited a new chapter of war. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. New York State Police searching for a dark-colored Jeep Grand Cherokee after a City of Buffalo worker was killed and two other employees wounded in a shooting near the Peace Bridge. Cops say somebody fired at a sewage truck on the highway. Those three Buffalo Sewer Authority employees were driving on the 190 southbound. Investigators say that's when a truck drove up next to them and started shooting at the vehicle. All three employees were hit by bullets. The front seat passenger was killed. That's Marley Tuskis with News 4 in Buffalo. New York State Police Captain Eugene Staniszewski. We have several leads that we are working on, but currently we do not have a motive for the shooting. Staniszewski calls it an isolated incident. There's no threat to the general public as the search continues for whoever killed that City of Buffalo employee. The recent mass shooting in Maine has local law enforcement officials sounding the alarm about what you should do if you ever find yourself in such a situation. Not a topic people want to discuss, but unfortunately with society today, we have to. Monroe County, New York Sheriff's Deputy Ryan Buttles conducts active shooter training drills for schools and businesses throughout the Rochester region. He says you never know how you will respond to a mass shooting until it happens. We don't know, and hopefully none of us ever have to find out but it's something we have to think about. And with these presentations that I do throughout Monroe County, I always ask the question, like, what are you willing to do to survive? Buttles says if you ever find yourself in an active shooter situation, run away from the gunfire, and if you cannot hide, fight back any way you can. There have been, this year in America, 566 mass shootings. A new Franklin and Marshall College poll shows a majority of Pennsylvanians support armed security officers in school. The poll found 69% of voters favor requiring school districts to put an armed officer in every school. Additionally, 73% say they believe it would make schools safer. This result comes just days after the Senate Education Committee put its stamp of approval on legislation that would mandate a trained armed school police, school resource, or school security officer to be in every school building during school hours. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Parents of school bullies could be on the hook under new legislation legislation proposed in Pennsylvania. State Representative Frank Burns wants to curb the problem of bullying in school by holding parents accountable. They could be forced to pay a fine of up to $750 and perform community service. The legislation also mandates parenting classes on bullying. New York State will soon provide local police with $55 million to prevent the theft of certain kinds of automobiles. We're talking Korean-made Hyundai and Kia's. I felt really violated. That's Barbara Weiss, a retired school bus driver and one of the more than 4,000 victims
victims of vehicle theft this year in Monroe County. Sheriff Todd Baxter says car thieves should be locked up. When we don't see them again, that's less victims in the future. Uh, but there's less risk to my deputies and my police officers out there chasing these guys around. There's less risk to the kids and the young people that are stealing these cars. Baxter says his recently minted stolen vehicle task force has tweaked the penal code to make sure thieves who steal cars remain behind bars. Tomorrow's National Prescription Drug Take Back Day. Residents have plenty of places to drop off their unwanted, unused, or expired medicine. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration has authorized Saturday as National Drug Take Back Day. That means you can drop off any prescription drugs at most police stations and some medical facilities all over the country. To find a Take Back Day location near you, you can go to dea.gov slash takebackday. Correspondent Bree Tennis says drugs can be dropped off at police stations, fire halls, and other collection sites from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. tomorrow. Syringes, liquids, or needles will not be accepted. And a Catholic church in Corning, New York, is celebrating its 175th anniversary this weekend. St. Mary's on State Street will hold a special service 10.30 a.m. on Sunday, October 29th. That church was founded in the year 1848 nearly two centuries ago. How about that? Let's pause next. Check out your Friday sports on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Buffalo Bills picked up a key win last night, knocking off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24-18. Josh Allen, 31-40 for 324 yards and two touchdowns and one interception. Allen also rushed for 41 yards and a score. The Bills now 5-3 on the season. On the ice, the regional teams all picked up wins. The Rangers scored three times in the second period, getting goals from Adam Fox, Braden Schneider, and Alexis Lafreniere. They shot out Edmonton 3-0. In Philadelphia, the Flyers scored quickly and often against the Wild and cruised to a 6-2 win. The Islanders raced out to a 2-0 lead in the first on goals from Bo Horvat and Cal Cutterbuck. But then the Senators scored twice to even a contest up, but Noah Dobson scored and New York eked out a 3-2 victory. And in Pittsburgh, the Penguins' three-game losing streak is over as they shut down Colorado 4-zip. Riley Smith scored twice in the first, Lars Eller found the back of the net in the second, and Sid the Kid Crosby scored his fourth goal of the season in the final period. Other winners on the ice, the Ducks, Canadiens, Jets, Lightning, Hurricanes, Leafs, and Blues. On the hardwood, the 76ers came all the way back from a 19-point deficit, but then fell behind by 11 in the final three minutes before coming back again, only to lose by a point, 118-117 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Tyrese Maxey scored 31 in the loss. And the Lakers down the Suns 100-95. Baseball's Fall Classic starts tonight in Texas as the Rangers face the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 1 of the World Series. Former President George Bush is throwing out the first pitch. That is a look at sports. All right, should be quite a scene tonight in the Lone Star State. Thank you, Randy. And still to come on the Noon Report, why you need to vote a week from Tuesday. Kevin Williams says about the weather. 
Enjoy it while it lasts. And at the end of the broadcast, be the change you want to see. Brian Query has a special report coming up. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. A new California law signed by Governor Newsom on October 7 will enable strangers to lead children 12 and older on matters of mental health in their home life without requiring parental consent. It's a bizarre irony for a state that's also suing the corporation Meta for harming children under age 13 because of its social media platforms, based on the assumption that children are too vulnerable to resist the effects of social media. However, somehow they should be able to make massive decisions about their minds, their bodies, and their family relationships without their parents' consent. This new law, Assembly Bill 665, expands an existing law that only applied to minors age 12 and older with private health insurance. The new law includes minors 12 and older who are covered by publicly funded health insurance, too. Additionally, the new law broadens the list of professionals who are able to, quote-unquote, treat such minors for not only mental health professionals, clinical psychologists, and licensed counselors, but also a registered psychological assistant, psychological trainee, an associate clinical social worker, a social work intern, and more. The law also permits minors to pursue mental health services and residential shelter services without having to, quote, present a danger of serious physical or mental harm to themselves or others or be the alleged victim of incest or child abuse, end quote. LGBTQ activists are celebrating this law as a huge victory for empowering at-risk queer youth. However, far from empowering young people, what California's new law actually does is to put more state officials between kids and their parents. It's rooted in a lie about what it means to be human. At the core of the bill is an idea that humans, especially young people, are self-determined, self-defined beings who should have no restraints whatsoever on what they desire or believe. Most importantly, the bill undermines the parent-child relationship, which is the most vital relationship for a child's health and well-being. In its place, the law offers absolute autonomy to young people, despite their youth and immaturity, as mediated by government officials. This view of people, especially children, is deeply flawed. Scripture teaches and reality confirms that our existence is owed to others, to God first and foremost, and to mothers and fathers according to God's design. Mothers and fathers are tasked and best able to provide care for children who are born vulnerable and depend on our love and nurturing in order to become healthy, independent adults. A California mom, Abigail Martinez, lost custody of her daughter years ago after school counselors in the Department of Children and Family Services determined she was not properly supporting her daughter's transgender identity. The agents of the state claimed to know her daughter better than she did. They were tragically wrong. Months after, Abigail's daughter took her own life. Similar stories are found in other states. In fact, according to a new groundbreaking study, states where minors are free to consent to health services without parental permission experience much higher youth suicide rates. Consequences won't end there either. Bad ideas beget worse ideas. The only way to truly empower children is to protect the rights of parents to protect them and their hearts, their minds, and their bodies. No other relationship can replace parental protection and guidance. Certainly, the state cannot do that. This law leaves young people vulnerable to the malpractice of the Dr. Frankensteins of our generation and will only pave the way for their further exploitation. The law claims to recognize that kids are capable of consent. In reality, it only lets off the hook those adults who influence their consent. Kids don't need empowerment. What they need is parents. The way to help kids struggling with their mental health is by preserving and strengthening the most important relationship they have with the ones who, in most cases, know and love them the best. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone. 
Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you very much. The weekend is here. Kevin Williams is near with that forecast next. Here is your family life weather forecast. It'll be balmy this afternoon. Now, an isolated shower cannot be ruled out, but the vast majority of the region is rain-free with clouds, occasional sunshine, and high temps in the 70s. Be a few showers around late tonight and tomorrow. Low tonight, 50s to low 60s, and the temperatures tomorrow drop from the 60s and low 70s into the 50s. And then cloudy, raw, chilly on Sunday with some rain. High temperatures Sunday, 40s and mid-50s. All right, enjoy it while it lasts, folks. It is Friday, the 27th of October, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. And welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are, as always, Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute and Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Well, Jason, it is here already, almost Election Day. Uh, is fast approaching, not less than two weeks away, and uh, it is an off-year election. So why even bother to show up at the polls this year? What's on the ballot worth paying attention to? Well, there's a couple of issues that are on there as ballot proposals, and so those will be statewide. Every ballot will have the opportunity to vote on these proposals. One would allow school districts in smaller cities to compete in debt borrowing on the same level as larger districts. So if you think that your small school district should be able to borrow at the same rate as your larger school districts, then you probably would like to approve that proposal. If you're against more debt for your district, then you're probably going to want to vote no. Gotcha. That's reason enough to get out there and vote, Michael. I know there are a couple of big elections in the big cities, Pittsburgh area, electing a county executive, and there's a big mayor's race in Philadelphia. But other than that, what is on the ballot that you're honing in on this year? Well, of uh, prime importance, Bob, of course, are the school board races across the Commonwealth. But I also want to draw our listeners' attention to the judicial races, and especially for the opening that's on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. There are very significant differences in the candidates. For example, the Democrat, Dan McCaffrey, takes a position on the PA Constitution that many say would suggest support for abortion up until birth. That's very troubling. That's a very important race, that uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court race between Carluccio and McCaffrey. Gotcha. Well, the early vote has been a big advantage for Democrats in previous elections. We saw that in the 2022 midterms. I'll begin uh, with you, Jason. I'd love to get your thoughts as well, Michael, on this. Do you foresee that playing field leveling off at all in this election and uh, subsequent elections? Well, you know, personal confession, I realized after the last election that, you know, I'm a guy that likes voting on election day, but I realized that I didn't get out there early enough and set the example and go out there and vote early. The reality is if we are not also voting early, it means that campaigns have to spend more dollars to get voters like me to the polls because they keep chasing me all the way through election day. So I actually help my candidates and I help the election. If I get out there and I vote early, so if that's the law here in New York, then we're going to play by those rules and encourage people to get out and vote. Yeah, Michael, I saw Rona McDaniel, the RNC chairwoman, uh, appear with uh, U.S. Senate candidate Dave McCormick at a Bank Your Vote event. They're really, uh, Republicans that is, really trying to hone in on that early vote. Uh, Do you think that will pay dividends 
on Election Day, November 7th. What's going to make some difference, I think, uh, you know, early voting is still kind of new to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but the Republican Party has taken note of that, saw what happened in 2022, and realizes that they need to do things just like what you described with the uh, bank the vote kind of thing to encourage more early voting. Yeah, gotcha. Um, Jason, pocketbook issues versus culture wars. What do you think are the issues that will matter most to voters in New York on Election Day? Well, this year is a relatively quiet year here in New York. So I think the discipline of voting is going to be the issue that drives people out. If you are a person that goes and votes every election, you're going to be there. But for a lot of voters, they're going to be tuned out. Let me encourage voters to go vote, though. In low turnout elections, if you have more weight in the election, your vote is a lot more significant. Gotcha. And of course, Michael, this year, Election Day is happening in the midst of a war that is raging in the Middle East. We saw anti-Israeli protests on over 100 college campuses. How much influence do you think this growing anti-Semitic movement will have um, to motivate Jewish voters in the Commonwealth on Election Day? Well, we're seeing already the impact it's having on uh, Jewish donors to institutions like the University of Pennsylvania or Harvard University. It's impacting there because they're realizing, hey, wait a minute, things have gone very much awry related to what people's view of uh, Judaism and the anti-Semitic sentiment in our country. So I think that is going to have some impact on voting as well, especially when we have members of Congress called the Squad that have been vocally uh, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic. I think that may have a real impact on Jewish voters here in Pennsylvania and across the country. All right, let's talk about some other issues in the final few minutes we have. Ironically, Jason, in a state that is as pro-abortion friendly as New York, Governor Hochul has signed Ava's law. You're writing about this on your website. What is that law, and uh, why is it worth supporting? Yeah, Ava's law uh, means that New York State law now recognizes that women suffer loss when undergoing abortions due to medical complications, just like women suffer loss when they experience stillbirths or miscarriages. And, And Ava's law is significant because it acknowledges this reality in regard to abortion, specifically for medical reasons, but the average person can see through that. They recognize that if a woman is having an abortion for a medical reason and experiences a loss, then probably there's some grief and loss with women who suffer an abortion for other reasons as well. Hmm. So it's important to us because it really is an opportunity for New York to recognize that abortion is the taking of a life in utero and that there was a loss there for mom and dad and that family. Baby steps. We'll take them any way we can in ultimately getting us to that point of recognizing the humanity of the unborn child. Mike, I couldn't believe this statistic. You're also writing about this on your website, but since 2015, Pennsylvania spent nearly $20 million paying for, this is taxpayer money, sex change operations and gender altering services on minors. These are kids in the Commonwealth. $14,000 a day in taxpayer money. This is huge business for hospitals, is it not? It really is. You know, these figures were discovered by the Pennsylvania Family Institute. We filed a right to know request with the Pennsylvania Department of Health to look at what spending was happening with taxpayer dollars for these surgical and drug interventions on minor children for so-called gender transition surgeries. And hospitals uh, across the country are making billions of dollars ultimately in this. Planned Parenthood is also in on this game, providing these drugs to minor children. It's These are life-altering situations, especially when you get into the surgery, or even these drugs that cause permanent sterility, can cause permanent sexual dysfunction, osteoporosis, so many different negatives that come from this, and yet taxpayers are funding it now to the tune of 
of a total of more than $20 million just here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and several hospitals. I think there's at least three in your state that are yeah. doing this. Jason, we would be remiss. Uh, you know, October is quickly fading away. It is Clergy Appreciation Month, and you are a pastor. So who better to talk about this? What are some of the major challenges? You know, we talk about pastor burnout a lot, that bivocational pastor whom we just love and admire so much. But what are some of the major challenges facing our church leaders in the year 2023? Well, I think one of the challenges that are facing pastors today is succession, pastoral succession, and the difficulties of that. You know, Barna has some research out that shows as of 2022, only 16% of Protestant senior pastors are 40 years or younger, and the average age among pastors is 52. So that indicates that there's an aging to the pastors, and there's a lack of new pastors coming in, which really just puts added pressure onto those guys already serving. So our pastors uh, across the state need our prayers, and uh, they need the patience of of, uh, the flock that uh, they're ministering to, because there are a lot of challenges uh, facing a pastor today. I I saw a stat, uh, just maybe it's the same one you're reading from, Jason, where uh, almost half of pastors under the age of 45, so these are the young bucks, almost half are considering leaving the ministry because of the burnout issue. It it is a huge issue, is it not? Yeah, it absolutely is. And and the issues are getting more and more complex. I know when I was pastoring uh, for 12 years before I came on board with this organization, I never felt adequately equipped for so many of the challenges I was facing as things are getting more and more complicated, particularly in counseling areas. Yeah, indeed. Um, All right. Well, hey, we got time for one more question. I know, Michael, things are getting busy uh, at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Want want to know, because we've been getting questions from some of our listeners, are there still tickets available for your November 6th Strong and Courageous Banquet in Hershey? Please say yes. Uh, I will say yes. Yeah, I'm excited about that. We're already well over 1,100 reservations already made for our banquet, so we're really grateful for that, for folks to come in here. Riley Gaines and uh, Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee, but tickets are still available, and they can uh, get that information at our website at pafamily.org. All right, again, if you would, uh, Michael, just in case people weren't paying attention, you want to see Seth Dillon or Riley Gaines, better act now. What is that website, Michael? pafamily.org. And read all about it, Ava's Law in New York, and why it's worth supporting. Jason, you're writing about this on your website. What is that? AlbanyUpdate.com. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Capital Connection, the name of the program, comes your way every Friday during the Noon Report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. While our area is being bathed in balmy air yet again, cold air and snow occurring this day across parts of the Dakotas and Minnesota. That chill is coming east. Not clear whether it brings any snow here next week, but it will bring much chillier air. It begins arriving tomorrow. In the meantime, it'll be balmy this afternoon. Now, an isolated shower cannot be ruled out, but the vast majority of the region is rain-free with clouds, occasional sunshine, and high temps in the 70s. There'll be a few showers around late tonight and tomorrow. Low tonight, 50s to low 60s, and the temperatures tomorrow drop from the 60s and low 70s into the 50s. And then it's cloudy, raw, chilly on Sunday with some rain. 
High temperatures Sunday, 40s and mid-50s. All right, thank you, Kevin. And finally, from us at noon today, this weekend is your opportunity, folks, to make a real difference where you live. Family Life's Brian Query explains. So many people think that their efforts will never make a difference. Well, it's proven that even the work of one person does truly make a difference. And those contributions to society are celebrated this weekend. Saturday is Make a Difference Day. And it was created by USA Weekend Magazine in 1992 to offer community support and encourage volunteerism across the country. Since its inception, Make a Difference Day has echoed in 30 countries and has inspired over 30 million volunteer hours. And those are just the ones that have been accounted for. So if you have ever wondered if your actions can make a difference, the answer is yes. And if you have wondered where to start, the answer is Make a Difference Day because volunteering is all about becoming the change you wish to see in the world. Brian Query, Family Life News. Amen. Be the change you want to see in the world you want to be. Thank you very much, Brian. And that's the world we live in Friday, October 27th. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.